Welcome to the Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts, Maggie Mutesi and Dumi Jere, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this uh, weekly broadcast of The Weekly Beat. My name is Dumi Jere, coming to you from Johannesburg in South Africa. And joining me is my sister, Maggie Mutesi. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, how is Johannesburg? It's, it's pretty great to see you again. No, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> uh, and yes, I do miss you too. Oh, same here. Yeah, man, Maggie. Um, remember the other time, I uh, can't remember, a couple of episodes back, mm. uh, we touched on um, uh, the the things that were going on at, uh, at Twitter mm. with uh, Elon Musk uh, buying a shareholding. I think it was 9% at the time. Mm. Um, and you the thing with Elon Musk is you can't keep up. I don't know, maybe those are problems that you have when you're like such a multi-billionaire in so mm-hmm. many different currencies. you like, <laughs> whatever you think of, you immediately can action. Money is not an issue, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so what does this guy do? This guy the other week then decides, oh, okay, you know what? Twitter, I actually want to buy the whole company now. So give me all of your common stock at uh, 54 I think it was $54.20 or something. Mm. And that time, Twitter stock had closed at about, I think it was in the 38 or somewhere there. I can't remember whatever the exact amount. So he felt like, oh no, I'm actually doing you guys a favor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I like how he sent the request to acquire. He's like, I'm not going to do the back and forth. So I'm just going to go right to the end. This is the price I'm offering. And that's it. Done. It's like watching billions come to life. That's it. Right? <laughs> billions. I was in, in a moment, I was like, ooh, this is actually real. Yeah. It's not a movie. But yeah, um, that move by Elon, um, uh, I mean, it would have valued the company at about $43 billion. And I think uh, at the time, the, currently, the company is still valued at about 30 something billion. Yeah. But the way he did it, is what is called in uh, majors and acquisitions a hostile takeover bid. And it was very fascinating watching all of this happen in real time. You log off your phone, you come back to your phone, an hour, there's something, there's a new development. You go out, you come back again, two hours, there's a new development. The aftermath of that was that Twitter's board then responded with a shareholder rights plan. And in this plan, that would then dilute Elon Musk's stake if he acquires more than 15% of the company's common stock. I mean, for those that may not uh, fully understand uh, this whole concept of uh, hostile takeover, I mean, a hostile takeover essentially happens when I say one company, uh, let's call this company, company A, uh, it then sets its sights on buying another company. Let's call this company B. So company A Mm -hmm. uh, really wants to buy company B, but company B's board raises objections to this takeover. They say, no, we actually don't want to do this. But company A still says, yay, I don't really care what your board says. I really just want to go ahead with this transaction. I really want this company. So that's essentially what a hostile takeover. As the name says, it's very different from uh, like a friendly takeover. Because in a friendly takeover, I mean, both parties, they, uh, they, 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 they really agree to this transaction. They work cooperatively toward the result. The lawyers from both sides meet, 
the auditors from both sides meet, they have drinks, and, you know, we have a nice golden handshake at the end and, you know, things go. And really, like, many times people that go ahead and pursue, like, a hostile takeoff, they usually use, like, a number of tactics to, you know, to mm. gain ownership of what their target is. And so in this case now, to defend itself against what Elon was trying to do, the Twitter board then came up with what is called the poison pill. Now, in the poison pill, they put in place a shareholder rights plan, which would then dilute Elon Musk's uh, stake if he went above 15%. So you would never then get to 100%. The moment mm-hmm. he gets to 15%, then we issue more shares, and then we dilute his shareholding, and then it goes down. So you never really succeed. Oh, and the so company. now the question then mm-hmm. comes, whose interest is the board serving? Uh, shouldn't the board be there to protect the shareholders' uh, interests above uh, whatever the agenda of the business is? So yeah, that's where this whole Twitter story becomes interesting. Very, very interesting. Your take, Maggie. Uh, <laughs> firstly, <laughs> what do you think of Elon as a person? I think I love this quote for Steve Jobs. Only the crazy ones uh, have the guts to really change the world. I think um, Mm. for me, Twitter is Twitter. It's such a massive platform. I think it's different from Facebook, uh, Snapchat. It has a lot of influence in terms of Mm. policy. You know, it has shaped a lot of policies. It runs governments. It's trusted. It's like that TV that gives every citizen their right to be a journalist you know yes, twitter yes. is full of um you know citizen journalism and media and everything so mm. um elon musk is a businessman yes. and for him he says i mean twitter is doing certain things not right that he wants to change i think his last tweet not last because he tweets every other time he wakes up i saw a tweet from him exactly. saying <laughs> if he manages to take over it's going to be paid zero dollars. And I was like, are you seriously tweeting this? And uh, the idea of him even, you know, tweeting the offer on Twitter is like, here's my offer. Everybody read. I just yeah. found it weird. But again, this is what he wants. Free speech, free mm. everything. And this is what he wants Twitter to be. But I guess it comes back to the numbers, Domi. Yeah. Their shareholders want profit. They want money. Mm-hmm. But also Twitter shareholders are not just the other shareholders. They are also big powers. I mean, we saw the statement from the government of Saudi Arabia. They could also yeah. buy the entire Twitter if they really wanted. So at the end of yes. the day, I'm guessing even it's probably not about the profit. But I've also seen mm-hmm. other shareholders who claim that, you know what, the board should uh, think in the interest of um, the shareholders and not the board itself. Maybe what we are anticipating is what will Twitter be if Elon Musk takes over? But look at his companies. They've been quite innovative. SpaceX, PayPal. I love PayPal. I'm one of the biggest users Mm, of PayPal. mm, mm, You know, mm. I mean, look at Tesla. He's an innovative guy. Tesla. Or Solar City. Exactly. I feel like Mm. he lives in the future. And and somehow maybe people like him are not really able to be understood. Maybe Twitter is not yet there. But I also read something about the former CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, because he didn't understand the move by the board. I think there was a a line that said, you know, it's one of the reasons he actually had to step down. And then they put a new CEO, the Indian guy, because Mm. he wanted to make certain reforms that the board couldn't let him do. Mm. So the board couldn't let him change. I would love to see some of those changes. So maybe it's for the better. Maybe who knows? 
But I want to think about it in the perspective of Africa. Do me. These are not things yes. that we see every day. It's actually fascinating. It's yeah. like watching a movie. And for <laughs> a moment, I kept on thinking, how many African companies are actually listed that are owned by billionaires? Mm. What if something like can something like this yeah. happen? Like so many yeah. things went yeah. through my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As you're mentioning that, I'm actually realizing that yes, we may have a good number of billionaires in Africa. And mm. their companies are very impactful in the things that they do in mm. their respective countries. But a great number of them are not listed. They sort of stay private. I look at, for example, say the Dangote group. Out of the group, only the cement, Dangote cement, is listed on the Nigerian Stock Exchange. The rest are not necessarily listed. So it's like, hmm, could this be a good reason why perhaps mm-hmm. as African maybe uh, entrepreneurs or business people, um, we shy away from uh, some of these listings for fear of uh, hostile takeover. It would hurt really, like mm-hmm. uh, the things that you've built all your life, all your hard work uh, and the works and you list this company. And, you know, next thing is like a Steve Jobs situation where he was kicked out of his own company that he founded. <laughs> And then he had to work hard to come back again and then lead the business. Perhaps that's why some of these uh, billionaire companies uh, in our beautiful continent Mm. don't necessarily want to list on their respective stock exchange. Whether or not you get the returns, that's another story. But hey, I would say taking some of these companies public is is a good thing. Uh, But but I wouldn't want to lose control of something that I've built. You know, going public also comes with... uh more revenue, you know, more money. Could it also be one of the reasons as to why we don't see that kind of growth? Because we are trying to hold on to the piece of cake and limiting of what it could be. Of course, the bigger the risk, uh, the bigger the benefits. We see Wall Street thrives on, you know, things like these, or, you know, a lot of uh, ecosystems are built around this. We don't have the faith to take the massive step to list our companies. And it reminds me of a story we did last year, Dumi, around the number of billionaires Africa has vis-a-vis what has been published. Because 300 million companies are making billion revenues, African-owned yeah, yeah. companies. And then you're telling us we have, what, 10 billionaires. So what about the other companies? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that data, <laughs> I don't know, but I feel like it's a missing link between what uh, the business space could be in Africa if we documented mm. all of this or even if companies listed think about it Domi yeah look I remember that story one other thing though for me now mm. that I really think about it is mm. it could be the fact that the regulators of the African stock exchanges have sort of forgotten why they actually exist <laughs> <laughs> they are supposed to exist purely for the wealth creation of a country's economy But instead, uh, they end up frustrating investments in that particular country or the way they run the thing is not necessarily uh, investor friendly, which then means people, if I mean, if I'm going to have a company that's that's worth a billion, then why should I then continue like invoke a new headache in my head where I now start dealing with the regulator? Ah, no, maybe let me just keep Mm -hmm. it like this. Um, So it's it's. It could be a different take, um, according to me, as I, as I think about it now, that 
perhaps that's actually something. I mean, because at the end of the day, Africa is very diverse. So are the country's economies. Uh, and the growth is still ahead. And mm. you'll find more appetite from the foreign companies coming to invest in Africa. They are more interested in doing these kind of things. But the ones that are homegrown, mm. they're not really interested at all. Nah. We should be thinking of how do we build our companies to a level where these companies are able to list on, say, the Wall Street or the London Stock Exchange. We should be able to build our companies. Of course, I mean, we've got the knowledge, we've got the expertise, we've got all of those things to be mm-hmm. able to do that. Yeah, but there's that fear, like you mentioned, like coastal takeovers yeah. and all of that. You, you don't want to cross and go list uh, the New York Stock Exchange. I mean, even the requirements, yeah. even the level of um, doing business, like they have to go through some checks and all of that. And if yeah. we are being honest, even the flatter web story we did a couple of weeks ago, you don't want all those allegations. But I think we need to do an episode on doing business in a clean way in Africa, because I feel like there's so much, and I don't want to insinuate yeah. anything, but you know, the steps taken for a company, or even like you said, auditing and all of that, a lot of businesses are still informal. They are formalized, but mm-hmm. how they do mm-hmm. stuff is actually still informal. And when you think deeper into it, maybe it's, it also limits investment because investment comes with proper way of uh, yeah. doing things. So this is an episode we probably need to dive in and understand how some of these things work, you know? Yeah, we should. And then we should title it um, uh, African Companies Scared of Doing Business the Right Way. Ah! <laughs> Let's not insinuate, do me. But nevertheless, I would really yeah. love to understand, like, to listen to what some people have to say about it. I still feel like we have uh, corporate companies they are centered around the founder, around the CEO. Yes, yes business yes, is not done yes. that way. Companies are companies, mm. and they should be built. Yeah. For continuity, not you know, when a CEO is gone, a founder is gone, the business is gone. This is what we experience every other day. I mean, when you look at Uber, it's run differently right now, even though they had all the scandals and everything, the business continued. When you look at Apple, Steve Jobs is gone, mm. but the business is still growing, it's a trillion dollar business. You know, when you look at yes. all these big companies, yeah, I agree with you there to an extent. I guess sometimes we put some of these, uh, <laughs> well call them founders or executives on pedestals, I guess. And mm. maybe we then expect way too much from them. I'm uh, going back <laughs> to what you're talking about, the Flutterway story, perhaps we put uh, the founders on um, such a pedestal that mm. whatever actions that they took then had an impact on the overall giant mm. startup that they had built. So, mm. hey, maybe we need to do some self-introspection and reevaluate. absolutely maybe let's not put individuals on a pedestal but let's put the institutions that are being built Mm -hmm. that way even if a board makes a decision that the ceo has to go the company Mm -hmm. still just continues running absolutely new much more astute ceo and so on and so forth Mm -hmm. but yeah hey maggie uh we gotta leave it here for today thank you so much lovely discussion that we had and uh thank you for tuning in to this broadcast of the weekly bit truly truly appreciate team behind the scenes thank you so much till the next time i am jimmy jerry and yes peace and profits the weekly beat by mansa with your hosts 
Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jerry, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa.